This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. It's Monday, February 6th. We welcome you to this edition of Real Talk. Coming up in just a second, she's an absolute force of nature. We've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. Lauren Kennedy West is going to join us, the founder, the host of Living Well with Schizophrenia, a mental health advocate uh, who I, I guarantee is going to teach you something today. I feel like I'm going to learn about a million things coming up in the next half hour. Of course, it's Monday, which means Charles Adler will be joining us in just a little bit. I see he's already getting into it on Twitter this morning after wishing Don Cherry a happy birthday over the weekend, calling him a broadcast legend and a whole bunch of people didn't like it. And so we're going to talk about tarnished legends and legacies with, well, a legend himself. Chuck, of course, an Emmy Award winner, as you know, who joins us every Monday. Plus, we will recap the wildly successful Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic that went down in St. Albert on Saturday. An unbelievable celebration of Canadiana for a great cause. We had so much fun. It would have been impossible for it to have been a more perfect day. It was like plus five out there, Johnny, at one mm-hmm. point. I think it was, it was great absolutely stunning. The burgers were hot. The beers were cold. There were a lot of snipes and sellies and a lot of money raised for some great causes. So we'll celebrate that before this show is done. As mentioned, Lauren Kennedy West is the host. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's the producer. We're going to find out more about that in just a moment. But she's also the subject of Living Well with Schizophrenia. That's the name of her YouTube channel that has nearly 200,000 subscribers. She puts out videos on feeling alone with your mental illness, talking about antipsychotics, talking about reacting to memes about schizophrenia and other mental health issues, brain scans, diagnoses, and 10 signs perhaps that you may be slipping into psychosis. Some of her videos, as you can see, have literally millions of views she produces and hosts them out of her studio in edmonton alberta and we're thrilled to welcome her to our studio in downtown edmonton making her real talk debut it's so nice to have you here thanks for making time for us hi thank you so much for having me been looking forward to this for a long time i remember the first time i saw your channel i didn't know you were from edmonton when i first saw it and i just was looking at production value and subject matter and i was going this is top notch content did you always think that you'd be hosting something that literally millions of people would be watching oh my gosh no when this start well when it started my husband suggested it as a, a project we could take on it's just a small thing and I think we got about 12 views on the first video and I was like wow this is like an incredible reach like I'm done <laughs> this is this is it but it's grown exponentially since then and what's well, really yeah. remarkable yeah you think if you think of it in terms of actual people i try to look at numbers and think of it in terms of people 12 people in a room that's great 12 right, people are yeah. there to hear what you want what, what do you think now i mean i'm not even looking back that far but i mean there's videos of yours that you know i'm looking right here 1.6 million views uh, that i think in terms of like football stadiums that's like a whole bunch of football stadiums is it ever lost on you the the audience that you've built talking about mental health I think, you know, we're creating these videos out of the basement of our home and it's it's kind of hard to comprehend the reach that some of them have. But, you know, hearing daily in comments and whatnot from so many people from all over the world about how our content is impacting them and helping them, 
um, really, I guess, helps to keep us going. You and I are having a coffee before the show here, and I, and I asked what I think was probably a stupid question. I said, are you cool with getting into your own personal story? And as I've asked you the question, I'm like, that's, that's what you do. It's what yeah. you're talking about. You put it all out there. Was that a, was that a difficult step for you to take, to, to go from navigating your own mental health journey to putting it all out there, as we say, for public consumption? Definitely. I think when we started the channel, I wasn't even public with the people in my life about having schizoaffective disorder. And so it was kind of like this just dive into the deep end of letting everyone in my life know and everyone on the internet know about this thing that was kind of a personal struggle for a long time. And then just kind of making it known to everyone was a big leap, but it's actually really helped in terms of developing self-acceptance and just kind of normalizing some of the challenges and experiences that come with it. Can you tell us a bit about schizoaffective disorder? Yeah. I would imagine that members of the general public probably don't have, myself included, a full understanding of exactly what that is. Yeah. So schizoaffective disorder is a combination of schizophrenia and a major mood disorder. So for me, it's bipolar disorder. So I kind of have symptoms from both schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. Hmm. So how did, when did you first realize, like at what point in your life, age-ish, did you realize that you were going to be navigating a challenge that maybe not everybody was? I first started to experience symptoms that I didn't feel I could really manage on my own when I was around 18 or 19. That's the first time I went to see a doctor for my mental health. Um, and it was it was the prodrome phase of schizoaffective disorder or schizophrenia, which is basically the period before the onset of schizophrenia symptoms, um, where which typically looks a lot like depression. Mm. And so I was diagnosed with depression when I went to see the doctor and was kind of treated for that. But obviously it wasn't the right thing that I was being treated for. So that wasn't terribly effective. Um, so that's kind of around the time when I knew that something was different, but I didn't know what I was dealing with until I was diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder at 25, I believe. So seven years from the time you first go to a doctor until you get a, a diagnosis that you felt at that point was accurate. Like yeah. at, at that point, you, you're you reading about the symptoms, you're reading up on it and you go, yeah, that sounds like what I'm wrestling with. Yeah, I had been given a couple other different diagnoses during that seven years and none of it, it never really felt like it lined up for me. Like it never felt like, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. That's what I have. And then the treatment for those things wasn't effective either. So it all kind of came together when I was finally diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder at 25. Hmm. And, and at that time, would the diagnosis a relief, I would imagine in a way? It was kind of a mixed bag of, you know, relief that, wow, okay, finally the things that I was experiencing, there's something to attribute it to. But it was also, you know, scary. I, I imagine, excuse me. No, it's okay. Most people have preconceived notions of what it means to live with schizophrenia and they're not exactly positive. Um, and so I was scared about what that meant for my life trajectory beyond that point and what it meant to live with a chronic serious mental illness like that. So, you know, there was, there was fear and uncertainty but also relief so mm. yeah yeah so I'm, I'm just reading here and this this from the uh the canadian network for research in, in schizophrenia that it says approximately uh four percent of the population which which is about a million and a half canadians um you know uh affects uh, or are affected either directly or indirectly uh, by schizophrenia or other psychotic disorders so if, if we go back to the idea of like processing your audience 
in terms of how that fills a room. You know, if, if you're in a re even a small restaurant, that would be two or three or four people. If you're in a classroom, that would be like one or two people, that that sort of idea. Did, did you feel like when you were able to, to receive that diagnosis and start connecting with with perhaps a network or resources that you felt that support or, or, or did you feel alienated in a way? Like, yeah. did, did you feel separated from society or or did you feel in a way like you had sort of found a group where you could start finding those supports? Yeah. You know, when I first started opening up, it was I, I think that a lot of people assume that they don't know anybody who has a schizophrenia spectrum illness because it's not something that's really openly talked about. Right. People don't come forward and say, yeah, I live with schizophrenia to people in their life very often, especially acquaintances and whatnot. But really, like you said, it affects a good enough number of people that you probably do know at, at least one or two people who live with the illness. And so when I started being more open about it, I actually had people within my own life, whether it was people I knew through sport or, you know, acquaintances, um, who would come forward and be like, yeah, my relative has this, or I have this, or they felt safe coming forward with that. And it was kind of wild to see how many people it actually affects and how much we hide it. Mm. Why do you think stigma? I mean, is it that simple? Do you think, do you think people are afraid of of implications perhaps in the workplace or what their friends might think or, or you know did you have experience in in sort of trying to keep things copacetic and, and under a carpet for a while yeah definitely I didn't want people to know especially in professional settings or where I felt that people um, would make judgments about my capacity or my ability to perform in whatever way that was um I think that, yeah, the stigma really exists and people, again, have these preconceived notions about what it means to live with an illness like schizophrenia. And so I felt anyway that if I let people know, if I let my bosses know, if I let colleagues know or whatever, that they would you know, judge me harshly for that and think I wasn't capable or treat me differently. And so perhaps that's a bit of internalized stigma that people deal with in terms yeah. of not wanting to talk. But, you know... I've also experienced coming forward with the illness in the workplace or wherever and being met with kind of stigmatized responses in terms of being pushed out of jobs and just not, people not really knowing how to, how to talk about it. You experienced that? You experienced being pushed out of a job? Yeah. So I was having a mental health crisis. I was going through a difficult patch and I needed to take some time off work. And then it came to light that I live with schizoaffective disorder. And it became clear that they didn't know what that meant and didn't know how to deal with that and didn't really want to deal with that, if I can say that. Mm -hmm. um, and it ended up being a case of me getting pushed out of the job. I wasn't blatantly fired, but you know, it was, it was clear that they wanted me to resign. And so I did. It's none of my business, but how did that play out? I just resigned and then and that was it. That was it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You know, you say that, you know, they don't want to deal with it. And there's there that there are probably millions of examples of that. Right. I mean, I would imagine that people living with any sort of uh, mental health challenge, mental health disorder, mental health disease, whatever, you know, whatever it may be anywhere on that spectrum uh, probably uh, have encountered um, you know, circumstances where whether it's a superior, like a, a supervisor in a, in, a, in a workplace, or perhaps it's even a personal relationship for a lot of folks that lack the understanding 
uh, or maybe lack some empathy, to be quite honest. Um, it's just easier to not deal with it, right? It's, it's yeah. easier to just push it out. Uh, and I bet you if you put it out there, I mean, I'm curious to ask even members of our live tuning audience right now to look into the live chat to see if it's happened to other people. Is that a common refrain that you hear? Uh, the more people that, that, that you speak with that have maybe similar experiences? Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, people within the neurodivergent community who interact with our YouTube channel, whether it's differences in neurodiversity. And um, they all kind of have similar experiences. And I think that you can probably actually look at this from any minority perspective where, you know, if you have some sort of different need or whatnot from the mainstream needs, it's easy to just kind of not address that as the main collective, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So you have, uh, at the time, you're, you're 25 years old. Um, and if, if my math is correct, so you're a mom at this point, right? No. So or was actually, it right around that time? Well, my two oldest are from my husband. Oh, pardon me. Okay. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> so, so you have, but you, so, so you're, you're mid twenties and, and at that time you, you have a job that there's been an experience that was kind of a negative experience. And if, if I can call it that, I mean, I'm assuming so yeah, being yeah. forced out, you know, <laughs> resigning in a circumstance that was not exactly your choice. Um, how did you get to a point, I mean, you, the name of your channel is Living Well mm -hmm. with Schizophrenia. And um, I, I don't mean to sort of like contribute to, you know, this is probably one of those tropes where you're going to roll your eyes when I say it. But on the surface, you appear to have it all together. I mean, even when people see the thumbnails on your channel or even the promotional stuff that we're pushing out, it's just like living well with schizophrenia. And it's like, yeah, no kidding. Right. But there are a lot of other people that probably don't feel that way. So, so how did you navigate that from a time where you get you receive this diagnosis? It's a difficult diagnosis. You've been on, uh, like you said, a medication regimen that that was not really necessarily working. You have a negative experience in the workplace. How does that start to turn around? Yeah, so. I mean, I had quite a few years where I was not living well with my mental illness and I was really, really struggling. And I think it kind of started to click and come together for me personally when I started developing a family. You know, I met my husband, his two kids. We had a kid of our own. You know, that connection and purpose, I think, really helped me to... Um, figure out what living well meant for me. And so that was a really important um, decision to name the channel Living Well with Schizophrenia because I think that a lot of people, people with the diagnosis of schizophrenia included, often feel like that's just not possible. You know, you can't live well with a chronic mental illness like schizophrenia. And so we really wanted to kind of shift the conversation that's happening around this illness and make it more about, okay, yeah, there are very real struggles and challenges that come along with living with schizophrenia. But, you know, how can we focus on how to live well with those mm. challenges still too? And, you know, you said that I look really well presenting and whatnot. And I worry, I worry about how that is communicated, you know, because I... I am not someone who has everything all together. And Nobody does. Glossy. No, no one does. Nobody so does. <laughs> I worry about that being what people are receiving because that's not the full message. And I think we really try to get into that on the YouTube channel is really talking about, okay, these are daily struggles that I face. Mm. These are 
broad level, big picture struggles that I face and really keeping that in the conversation as well, because I think it's very easy to see, you know, a well-spoken white woman on Mm. the the internet, you know, talking about living with schizophrenia and getting the wrong idea about the realities of the illness. And I don't want people to feel alienated if they don't feel super put together either. Well, and like, so, so real talk. Yeah. Like I hesitate to even say that because what am I saying? Right. Like you just spelled out, like, what do you mean? She looks like she has it all together. Like, what's that supposed to mean? Like, she fits in that little box. She fits, you know, ticks those checks like she, you know what I mean? Like is 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 living well with a mental illness or for that matter, any health challenge is like, is that supposed to look a certain way? And it's not. Yeah. And other people that are living with mental health uh, disorders or what's the preferred vernacular by the way what do you say disorder illness do you, do you i'm not a, really sure i yeah. say illness mental illness, mental illness. Yeah. people people that have their own challenges um you know well so what so i don't look like that does that mean i'm not living well right so it's i, I always try to teach myself or, or be open to learning on like you know what what optics are and and how optics you know are oftentimes are very powerful but oftentimes matter very little you know what i mean yeah the optics are less important and i think what we really try to emphasize on the channel is that Living well means having a meaningful or a life that you find meaning in, a life that you find purpose in, a life that you find fulfilling. Mm. And that really being the epitome of what it means to live well with an illness like schizophrenia. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, so how do, how do you define living well? Like, yeah. is, is your answer going to be different from Jason's who's watching live? And I'm going to read his comment in just a second. And that's going to be different than Todd's. And that's going to be different than Tony's and Tracy's and all these people whose comments I'm about to read. Everyone's definition is probably going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, what I'm talking about when I talk about living well with an illness like schizophrenia is those things like finding meaning in your life, purpose, fulfillment, and just living a life you care about and you want to engage with. Hmm. Let me get to some of these because these are, I mean, some powerful comments as you might expect um todd by the way says he says i've been following her journey for years oh. <laughs> uh you've been doing what about four years the channel yeah, yeah. um he says her, her rawness and her openness has been amazing and necessary he says it removes the stigma is that difficult to show up in studio and and, and decide every time to be that open to be that raw i mean does, is that a conscious decision that you have to make some days more difficult than others it is um i think I go through periods of burning out a little bit on just kind of bleeding on camera, you know, being really, really open and honest about really, you know, challenging things in my life. And that can take its toll for sure. But again, like, it's really nice to hear things like that from people who are watching who really it resonates with and it's helpful to them. And so that kind of keeps me going in that regard. Hmm. This one from Kimberly, this is a tough one. She says, my friend lost her uh, 27 year old son uh, who died by suicide this past fall. Uh, after a few years of a mental health battle, he had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. It's, it's uh, terribly sad. Um, you know, uh, MA says, unfortunately, our mental health system is very inadequate. Uh, uh, MA says in Alberta, but I, I think you could probably, uh, I, I'm not sure if you've, seen a jurisdiction anywhere in the world that really does it well uh, with regards to supports and funding and I mean all I seem to hear and I don't I don't mean to be the downer here but I I mean I you know you hear people that wait 
uh, oftentimes a year for counseling resources or, or people that have been doing their best and, and, and trying to find supports and just have, and have been as proactive as possible, especially considering the uphill climb that so many people are on and have still been able to find those supports. But MA goes on to say not enough resources available to those seeking help, help really long wait times and, and too many people falling through the cracks. And, and Allison's agreeing with her on that. Tracy says, unfortunately, I see too many people pushed out of jobs they love uh, oftentimes because of impossible workloads. And then when those folks are confronted or talk to their employers, they let them go and claim that it was mental health, which is an interesting point. And, and Jason, one here, says this conversation's hitting really close to home. Jason says, I've been uh, ousted from my past three jobs uh, due to having such significant mental stress happening that I've, I've lost my cool in different ways. And he says, and, and to be honest, I can't even be mad about it. So, I mean, these are these are people, these are these are real life stories. You must have i mean I've, I've i've scrolled some of your comments on your videos and there are thousands and thousands of comments how does that resonate with you even that is heavy lifting processing what some people are disclosing to you yeah um i mean just l- reading these few comments from live viewers right now is a lot you know hearing how systems have failed them and hearing how we're not doing a good job of supporting people living with this illness and that's really hard, but it kind of also is a driver to keep doing what we're doing in terms of raising awareness, in terms of better educating people on how to talk about these things, how to advocate for themselves in terms of accessing care. That's a really important component that I think often goes overlooked. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, when you're, can, can we get into some, some of the stuff that I want to get nerdy about, like okay. producing shows oh, yeah. and actually doing like, how are you, <laughs> when I say, how are you coming up with the content? Like a lot of this is obviously based on your lived experience or what you're observing around you or what you have learned uh, through your journey. But, but how does that come together? Can you talk to us about the, the production process and, and how you determine your subject matter? And, you know, I mean, obviously we're encouraging everybody today to go subscribe to your channel. You've got a, a phenomenal channel living well with schizophrenia, but, but how do you come up with all of, all of the material and, and how does it make its way to the final finished product? Yeah. So I, when we first started out, we were like, okay, we're going to make a tight, like 20 video max sort of collection of videos about all the key things about living with schizophrenia. Well, and then that was it. And that was it. That was oh. where we were going to stop. But then, you know, continuing to work on this, there's so many different nuanced things to talk about, about living with an illness like schizophrenia or living with, you know, just talking about mental health in general. And so, I don't know, my husband and I are kind of always going back and forth, talking about potential um, video ideas. Things come up in my life that I feel would be valuable to share with other people. And we just kind of go from there. Hmm. Um, I, I want to, uh, if, if it's not evident already, just let people know that, uh, you know, we're about to, I want to have a conversation with you about suicide. And, uh, and I know that, that for a lot of people, this is uh, really going to resonate uh, for some people that have lost loved ones, for some people that may have suicidal ideations themselves. Uh, and we'll talk about resources, but uh, you know, in your channel, um, you have some of your most popular videos and those are of course, based on the numbers and the downloads and the streams. And then you have a segment, our favorites. And uh, this video doesn't have the most views. It's still got a ton. It's still got more than 17,000. That's a hockey arena full. I like to see how you, do you see how my mind works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Roger's place is full of the people that have watched this. Uh, it's Edmonton's high level bridge. And the title of the video is this is the bridge. I thought I would jump off. 
Can you tell us this story and, and tell us how you got to a point of being able to produce a video about it and, and put it out there for people to watch? Yeah. So, you know, before this video, actually, we put out a video where I talked about the day I almost died. And that was a day that I had overdosed and was taken to the hospital and put on life support and whatnot. And so we really try to be honest and open about really difficult aspects of the illness like suicide. And um, I think that it's a really, really important thing to talk about in terms of helping people who are maybe navigating feelings of wanting to end their life, feel less alone, normalize it a little bit, because I think it can be a really scary and isolating experience. Um, and so I hope anyway, that by talking about it openly on the channel and, you know, talking about suicidal ideation, talking about attempts and whatnot will help people to feel less alone and to understand how to access help and support for mm. when they're feeling that way. Mm. Um, a, a friend of mine, um, what, how do you phrase it? Survived an attempt or recently survived like, last couple of weeks. Um, I don't think that she wants me talking about it on the show, so I won't get into, into too many specifics, but she did share with her social media network. Um, and, uh, it was a, it was a tough one to read about, especially because, and again, you, you want to talk stigma. She's one of those people that you look at and you're like, she's got it all together, mm -hmm. right? She's got it all, all the promise in the world and all the things that you would think that somebody would want, right? Success and beauty and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the circle of friends that love her, but this is something that she struggled with for her entire life. And, um, of course when she shared, and I think that for her, that was an important part of the process is to share. Um, the comments again were incredible and there were a lot of people you know I was one of them that, that was there just to say we love you. Uh, you know, she was a she sort of it was almost had like an apology kind of a tone to it and everyone's like you don't know anybody an apology we mm -hmm. love you you're valued but but there were so many comments a significant number of comments that really made an impression of me uh, of people with whom this resonated yeah. right and I think um, that it's more common than the average person might think and you know we talk a lot about people are using this word normalize more often but whether we're talking about death by suicide or whether we're just talking about living with a, a mental health disorder or a mental health a mental illness um, normalizing it I think is it, helping people understand you know we say this all the time on the let's talk days and all the other days we say one in five Canadians will live with mental illness but actually think about that like when you're out with your friends around a table I'm realizing I keep doing this, but like you're around a table. That, that's like one person at the table, you know, at your family yeah. table. That's one person around the family table, right? And I think part of that attempt to normalize is getting comfortable talking about what is now uncomfortable things and knowing how to support each other through that. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, your friend laced her message with a sorry. And so there's a lot of shame and guilt inherently wrapped up in the experience of suicidal thinking. And so we need to work on how to remove that and just be able to talk about it in a way that can be met with empathy, support, and not 
what is currently assumed will be judgment or, you know, whatever that shame is coming from. How do you think we remove it? I mean, I think you are doing some heavy lifting in removing <laughs> stigma. Here you are talking about it right now, your YouTube channel. People should follow you on Instagram. They can find you on Twitter as well. And of course, at LaurenKennedyWest.com. Uh, Lauren Kennedy West, our guest, if you're just tuning in, live streaming on the Mixler audio app presented by California Closets. Uh, do you think like stigma wise, this is something where everybody can play a role? I do. And I think it starts with getting more comfortable yourself with it because we just did a video on this where um, I think that living with a mental illness, regardless of what it is, can be a really isolating and lonely experience mm -hmm. because so often there are people in your life who love you and care about you and want to support you, but don't necessarily know how or aren't necessarily comfortable talking about the more difficult components of what it means to live with a mental illness. And so doing that work of getting more comfortable ourselves so that we can better support the people in our lives and better show up for conversations about these difficult things. I want to let people know that uh, if you are uh, considering suicide, if this is something that's hitting home with you, help is available with Talk Suicide Canada, uh, available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. You can learn more or give them a call right now at one 456 4566 or simply text 45645. Can we talk about meds? Sure. <laughs> uh, you, you, you talk a lot about meds, uh, including a, a recent post of yours just under a year ago, Drowning in Psych Meds. Yeah. <laughs> that reads the headline and you talk about a complicated relationship with meds. Yeah. So I think it's important to understand, you know, I think a lot of people are like, why would you ever stop taking meds? Because I have this well-known on our YouTube channel pattern of stopping my medication and then it leading to psychosis and then the hospital or worse or whatever. And that kind of being an unfortunate pattern that has played out in my life. And I'm not alone in that. There are many other people who are living with illnesses such as schizophrenia who have done this same thing in the past. And I think people don't understand why you would do that, myself included at times. But it's really important to understand that these meds make you feel kind of awful a lot of the time. There's some really nasty side effects. There's the, you know, internal combat of do I need to take these meds? Are they helping me? Are they more dangerous for my body? You know, what is this doing long-term? And this kind of ongoing struggle present with taking meds, but also then knowing that, well, these meds allow me to show up at a minimum, you know, in my life the way I want to. And maybe not the way I want to because they are a little bit debilitating, but in a way that is better than being in constant psychosis. Mm. So I have a really complicated relationship with my meds. I'm kind of always talking with my doctor about, okay, how do we reduce? How do we reduce? How do we, let's work on getting off meds. And that's always kind of a goal in the back of my mind, but it hasn't always gone great. And so learning how to balance that a little bit has been an ongoing journey. Yeah, and you talk to people in in um, like coming at this from different perspectives, like you, first person, firsthand, lived experience. You're telling your story. You'll talk to people that care very deeply about somebody that's on meds for a for a mental health uh, challenge, and 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 how you know um, 
heartbreaking or frustrating or infuriating it can be when when the the the, the regimen is not followed exactly and you understand yeah. like but it's a constant conversation because to to that person to the person on the meds getting off the meds what I would imagine would feel like a a big mile marker to cross right yeah. like that would be a, a big sort of like a, a summit to reach yeah when I first started dating my now husband I was really struggling with taking meds and I would voice to him that I didn't want to take my meds and he would take personal offense to that you know mm. he would be like I don't get it you know like this feels like you are insulting me not insulting me but you know like it's an offense to me that you're not taking your meds if that makes sense and I think that that's where a lot of loved ones are coming from in terms of being like I just don't understand you know they're they're making this bad decision and mm. it's affecting everyone in their lives and they're not realizing and that kind of thing. But it's it's a really complicated thing to navigate and to balance. Can we talk about the lost years? Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's a that's a it's a, a really interesting uh, one of the more interesting videos I think that you put out there. And this is where you're really laying it all out there. It's like a journal entry. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if this, you know, part of our conversation might uh, strike a chord with with somebody that's maybe been holding back on on talking to a professional or maybe been holding back on on disclosing to their loved ones um, the lost years the lost years yeah so I made this video and I was talking about basically the years from when I was 18 19 went to see the doctor for the first time and maybe a few years after actually my diagnosis of schizoaffective disorder for so like almost a decade of what I grieved over and felt like they were lost years because it felt like it was just so packed with struggle and isolation, loneliness, and just not knowing what was going on with me. And, you know, during these years, I attempted suicide a couple of times and like it was really heavy stuff that I went through and confusing stuff and not not knowing how I fit into the world kind of. And mm. so that's how I refer to or what I refer to as my lost years. Mm. You, uh, you, you talk a lot about the, like the memes and the, the stigma and the kind of the, uh, the uh, I've, can I, I'll, let me tell the audience something that I said to you. Okay. okay. This is like, so in a self-deprecating way. So we're talking uh, before the show starts and I'm talking to Lauren and I said, and like, maybe we can talk about some of the things that drive you absolutely crazy. And then as I says, as the word comes out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, I just wanted to reel it back in. You know, I mean, just even that, like people becoming more aware of the language they use and, and, and the phrases and the misconceptions. And, and I guess this all does come back to the stigma. But do you consider yourself to be a, a bit of a, a warrior on that front, like an educational warrior of like bringing people up to speed on like memes and gifs and you know all those types of things yeah the meme video those those were popular um, yeah really yeah. popular uh they were fun to do because i think that you know there's a lot of humor out there around like i was surprised how many schizophrenia memes or mental health memes there were but unless it's coming from someone with lived experience it's it's probably not going to be in the best taste yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, that has to do with language and stuff. Like I appreciated you caught yourself with the like That's right crazy. away. I was like, yeah, that it. was great. <laughs> no. And it's important to be reflective of those things and to catch ourselves when we're using 
language like that or when we're um, engaging in jokes or what have you that maybe don't do justice to the people who are actually living with those issues. You have an amazing video, uh, 15 Things Not to say to someone with schizophrenia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want people to just go watch the video. Uh, we probably don't have time to cover all 15, but, but you know, we always try to learn something every day on this show. Can you give us a couple examples? Oh, I forget that video now, but I don't know. Some it's really things, good. Some things not to say are, you know, or one that comes up often is, well, it's all in your head. Like, uh, don't worry. It's all in your head. If you're conveying symptoms or you're conveying paranoia or whatnot. And that's kind of like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It still feels real. Telling you know, someone like with heart disease. A, well, it's just in your it's chest. It's in your chest. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones in that video. You know, I've talked to so many uh, people, I mean, through the years doing different interviews of someone, for example, living with depression. Um, and they'll say that people say, well, why don't you just focus on the positives? Oh, yes. Why don't you just try to be happy? Yeah. It's a great day. Why don't you just take a bath? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go for a soak. Go Walk for the dogs. a run, you know, and that feels alienating because like we know, we know that those things help to improve mood, but if you're struggling deeply with depression or with whatever mental illness you may be struggling with, those aren't going to be enough to kind of help pull you out necessarily. Or, you know, it just feels a little bit patronizing to say those things to people because they know that those things can help, but, you know. Um, I want to ask you about one last video here. Uh, I mean, I could obviously, we could sit here for six hours. and uh, But you, you have one. Um, I'm a mother with schizophrenia. And then answering your questions. Yeah. And it's a great resource. And again, people can find all of the videos we're talking about in Lauren's channel, which is Living Well with Schizophrenia. Um, there are going to be people that are going to hear this. I mean, some people are probably going to discover Real Talk for the first time today because they're your fans. <laughs> um, and then there are going to be uh, subscribers or audience members of this show that are going to hear about you for the first time. Um, some of them will be parents. Some of them will be caregivers or, or people who have dependents. What's your message to them today? Um, I think my message would be that, you know, don't be too hard on yourself. It's a tough gig parenting. And I think for a while, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to have kids because of my mental illness. Uh. I wasn't sure if I would be able to show up in the way I wanted to be. If I wanted to show up, I wasn't sure if I would, you know, have the capacity to be the kind of mother I wanted to be. And then obviously the genetic component as well. But it like everyone has their struggles which may show up differently than mental illness, but you may have a mental illness and be parenting, but everyone has their struggles. And it's really just about figuring out how to navigate your struggle and still show up in your life the way you want to. And so it's been a really incredible journey of realizing that I can still be the kind of parent I want to be and show up for my kids and still live with my mental illness and it's a tough balancing act to balance it all, but it can be done. And, you know, don't be too hard on yourself if you feel like 
you're dropping balls because odds are you're doing a pretty good job. <laughs> mm, I love it. Um, thank you so much for joining us in studio. The time has flown as we knew it would. And your perspective is just so valued and so appreciated. And uh, it means a lot to us that you made time. You moved a bunch of stuff around to make this happen. We've been, <laughs> we've been looking forward to it for a few weeks uh, longer than that since I first found your channel. Um, if you want to learn more about what Lauren does, if you want to hire her to speak uh, to your company, to your organization, uh, Lauren, obviously a mental health advocate and speaker focusing on living well with mental illness. You can learn more and book her at laurenkennedywest.com. And of course, you can find her on YouTube, like about 200,000 subscribers do at Living Well with Schizophrenia. Thank you for this. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. That's Lauren Kennedy West. This conversation was presented by the team at Complete Care Restoration. They're the ones that built this studio for us where these conversations are happening. And they are literally our only sponsor that hopes that you never call them. They hope that you never have to give them a call because they're in the business of fire damage repair and flood damage repair and mold and asbestos removal and, and construction you know all of the stuff where people are recovering from well disaster but if that does happen if you flood this summer with a heavy rainfall or if your pipes burst in the middle of winter or heaven forbid if there is that nightmare that is a house fire you know chances are your insurance policy will allow you to choose who you want to do the work and with two thumbs up, we recommend the team at Complete Care Restoration. You can find them online at CompleteCareRestoration.ca. If you're a professional engineer or a talent when it comes to tech and you're looking for a change of pace, you want to join a team where you'll be valued and appreciated, have you checked out Apex Automation? They are innovators, leaders across the country, into the United States as well when it comes to automating solutions to industry. And you won't believe the number of different applications that Apex is innovating. You can check out their projects online at apexautomation.ca. Learn more about what it means to be on the innovative edge of giving people back their time whether that's in thermal heavy oil facilities or, or coal mines, chemical facilities, power generation facilities, MDF plants, potash, brewing. We always have to mention that. You could find your next and your best career move today at apexautomation.ca. Our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy want to remind you positive reflections coming up at the end of the show today. Johnny, there's a story coming up. This is It all starts with a bad fall, mm. but there's a wonderful silver lining here. And of course, Kubi Renewable Energy, all part of that, presenting the silver linings every Monday here on the show. Now, if you are going solar and if you are looking to go green this year, we want to remind you it's a two-fold process. So you sign up at Kubi, you get the solar panels up on your roof, but then what? Well, our friends at Park Power are leading the charge. Sorry, I can't help myself. When it comes to making it worth your while. You know, in the summer months, your solar is likely going to produce more energy than you need. Park Power, more than any of the so-called big guys in the utilities business, is going to give you more money back for your excess power. They actually have a partnership with our friends at Kubi. You can learn more about that on their website at parkpower.ca. And today's a great day to go compare rates because of course, 
The longer you go without bringing your business to Park Power, the longer you go paying more than you have to pay for your electricity, natural gas, and internet. When's the last time you actually looked at what the competitors are offering? I know so many of us, we just get complacent, right? We get signed up. The natural gas is coming through to the furnace when we need it. The electricity's turning the lights on when we need it. But what if you could be paying hundreds less a month? You can compare rates today and knock 150 bucks off your first bill if you bundle all three services, electricity, natural gas, and internet with the promo code REALTALK23. That's REALTALK23 at parkpower.ca. And a quick mention, as we've now made our way into February, February is Heart Month at Friesen Brothers. We're going to be talking heart health coming up on Wednesday's show. Looking forward to that. Well, this year, Friesen Brothers is very proud to partner with the University Hospital Foundation in fundraising for the Mazankowski Alberta Heart Institute. Boost your healthy eating habits with a wide range of heart-healthy choices throughout the store. That can be fruit and veggies, fresh and lean Alberta meat, fresh fish, nutritious grains, or meals prepared in advance by their Red Seal chefs. You can find heart-healthy products easily by following the special heart mark in their flyers, which you can view online. Find out more at Friesen.com. And a big shout out as well to our friends at Athabasca University. You know, this show, like we just said to Lauren, we want to make sure that you learn something every single day. We want you to feel that as an audience member to Real Talk, that you are bettering yourself, that you're deepening your knowledge and your understanding of issues that matter. You know, sometimes that curiosity, sometimes that drive to, to really better understand the world around us can turn into new career opportunities. AthabascaU.ca is where you can learn more about world-class accredited online programs and courses that will offer you the flexibility to learn at your own pace on a schedule that suits your lifestyle. Simply click the Getting Started link at AthabascaU.ca. Learn more about admission requirements. You know, if you're 16 years or older, you can get started as an undergrad student. And you can learn more about maybe what might be the best fit. Are you a good program student? Maybe a non-program student. And then, of course, you can navigate the application process with support, including some of the financial resources available to students at Athabasca University. Well, Mondays, the Titan of Talk joins us here on the show. It's a, it's a date a coffee date that we look forward to all week long. The Emmy Award-winning RTDNA Lifetime Achievement Award-winning talk radio legend, Charles Adler. It's nice to see your face, my man. We, we, how was your weekend? Weekend was great, uh, but uh, would you mind? By the way, are we getting the full mic sound here? Because Crystal clear, echoey. pristine. Okay, sounds a little echoey in here. Uh, uh, I, I think I've got a... I think I've got to do some acoustic treatment to to some of the walls. I'm hearing a bit of a a bit of a bounce, and I'm sorry. About hey, be careful because once you start turning your living space into a studio, there's no looking back. <laughs> you, the, the next thing you know, All you've right. got 15 lights on the ceiling, and yeah. So, so I just before we do anything else, I, I just wonder if you could get give me a moment here because I was listening to the conversation uh, with Lauren, and we don't talk about mental health enough. And mm. frankly, some people don't know how to do mental health on, on radio or TV very well. And when I when I say that, I mean, from the perspective of those people who have been dealing with various issues, and of course, it's a very, very broad spectrum when we're talking about mental health. But for many people who have had mental health issues or have had people in their family with them, it is true that that, that, that some broadcasters, they may they may try. Uh, they may know that it's uh, it's an important topic and all of that. And they may do a lot of research, a lot of prep and whatever, but they don't 
quite know how to handle the conversation the way you can. And I'm not saying that this is because your, your dad is a doctor. I am saying this because you are you. And when it comes to mental health, okay, and wellness, one of the best pieces of advice I can give to anyone who is suffering in any way, shape, or form, anyone who needs a positive boost, it is this show, it is this podcast. And one of the reasons I'm mentioning it is because so many people who are listening and watching right now are people who are huge fans of Lauren, the hundreds of thousands of people that you talk about on her YouTube channel, the same channel that you saw. Thank goodness for YouTube. People can talk about social media all they like. I'm, I, I take, uh, I'm not, I don't take a backseat to, to trashing social media from time to time. Sometimes I, I think of it as a sewer. Sometimes I think I've got to you know, put on the hip, the hip waders uh, when I get on Twitter. But YouTube does a fantastic job for many, many people. And the Lauren piece is a specific example of that. She helps people and others do as well on YouTube. And you do as well on your YouTube channel, Ryan. I just want to mention for those new listeners and viewers that we have right now, people who have been following Lauren all of this time and getting some healing and some helping and some inspiration. This is the perfect show for you. Mm. Sometimes I'm listening to this podcast at 2 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock at night. It doesn't matter. It's not appointment tuning like old-fashioned, conventional, terrestrial radio. Mm. This is the new world, and Ryan Jesperson has positive energy. I'm not saying that because I think of him as my son. I'm not saying that because he's one of my very best friends of all time. I'm not saying that because he essentially rescued my desire to speak publicly. <laughs> I'm saying that because... That's who he is. He is not wow. a click whore. He doesn't put stuff on social media and doesn't put stuff on the show just because he gets clicks. And he is not an ideological political hustler just looking to polarize, to divide, to inflame. He could do all of those things if he wanted to. If he was just about money, and I've got nothing against money. You know, people say cold, hard cash. And to me, there's nothing cold about it. It's nice and soft, and it gets you a lot of things, and it gets you a lot of access uh, to a lot of services that you can do for yourself and for people. And Ryan Jesperson, if he was only about money, would be a click whore. If he was only about money, he would be a political hustler. But he's not those things. He is a human being, a wow. good human being, Chuck. but most important from the perspective that we're taking right now on this show that's dedicated to mental health. Ryan Jesperson is good for your head. Wow. Uh, well, I don't know. Well, wow. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate that very much. I, I was going to ask you about it uh, because I knew that you were watching some of that interview. And so I do have a question for you in a sec. But because you have set the table, uh, which I appreciate, or perhaps you have cleared the table mid-meal, let's say, I want to get to more of these. Dr. Bradley Martin is a, is a beloved member of this listening audience. He's a family physician. People know uh, Dr. Martin in our live chat says one out of five people may have, it's true, a diagnosed mental health issue. He says, but five out of five people struggle with mental health. And I think that that's an amazing uh, observation to make. Erica says these are the exact conversations, almost word for word, Erica says, that I have with my husband about his meds. Um, not the same uh, mental illness, but the same line of thinking, the same thought patterns and the same results. Michelle says there needs to be an easy step solution to receive medical support for people that struggle with mental health. 
which I think is absolutely true. I love this when it comes to you know behavior and being better. Jason says, thanks to various Real Talk conversations, I now actually actively go out of my way to say things like wild or intense as opposed to crazy, nuts, or insane. Uh, that's neat to hear. Uh, you know, I mean, geez, a lot of comments here. This is really wonderful. Tony, and Tony says this in the right spirit. She says, my niece has shown me that people with schizophrenia are not the, the scary people running down the street yelling at people. They're, they're just folks that are suffering, that have a challenge, that require help and empathy. Uh, Tony went on to say, what a guest. I have to go splash water on my face. A few tears escaped. Nothing wrong with that, Tony. Um, and, and, uh, Brad says, appreciate Ryan and now Charles for, for talking about this. Brad says, I wake up in the morning with so much anxiety and it's really, really difficult some days. Brad uh, thoughts with you, Charles, through the course of your talk radio career and, and having difficult conversations, how did you see, or did you see, um, attitudes, stigma, like evolve? Like how, how did you see those public conversations? Uh, you know, at the time when you're hosting, you know, coast to coast national talk radio shows, how did you see it change? over the years i'll be happy to talk about it but if you can do me a, a huge favor when i say me i'm talking about the wider audience uh, sometimes I, I use the phrase if there's if, if you don't remember anything about what went on during this event called a, a podcast if you remember nothing please remember this and ryan if you could repeat that five out of five piece that dr martin yeah, uh, sent you. Yeah, uh, please, please repeat that. Yeah, well, he said people who might have missed it. Yeah, this he, is very important. He says, yeah. So one in five people may live with a diagnosed mental illness, but five out of five people will struggle with mental health. Five out of five. We all struggle with mental health. So when we stigmatize mental health, when we stigmatize people who have mental health issues, we are stigmatizing ourselves. Hmm. This isn't about them. This is about you and you and you, and this is about all of us. Mm. All of us struggle. That isn't, uh, you know, uh, people like to, to stigmatize these kinds of conversations. They, they play the ideological game. Or they, they say things like, oh, Chuck, don't, don't be so soft. You know, be a man. Uh, don't be such a pussy. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. There is, there is no bigger pussy than the guy in denial. And being in denial is not a good place to be for anyone, including you, because five out of five struggle with these issues. Now, does, does that mean that when over the years I talked about uh, mental health issues, I was only taking a particular perspective? No, because I understood enough about mental health, having lived with people who were severely traumatized, growing up with them, okay? Not just my parents but many of my parents' friends, members of my extended family, many people in my neighborhood. So growing up, being very aware that many of the people I loved the most, I never really knew as well as I would have known them had they not been suffering. I never knew who I, my, my, my real mom was, my, my real dad was, because I had no way of knowing what they were like before the damage was done. All of us have some damage. All of us do. And I'm simply saying this, that as far as the conversations over the years that I did on the radio, and I did many, many conversations about mental health, it was very difficult for the audience to get involved in terms of phoning in. I realize that there are some people who, who host talk shows and, and, and think that the idea is to get on 20 or 30 or 40 callers per show. 
that was just never the way I wanted to do the show. Sometimes, frankly, there were, you know, one, two, three hours where nobody called in. That didn't matter. That didn't mean they weren't listening. We did all sorts of research on this. There were many shows that we did with almost no callers that had bigger numbers, bigger ratings. Chuck put more points on the board with no callers than many other shows where we had lots of callers. What matters is the people who are listening, most of whom will never call in. And the conversations about mental health were riveting when the questions, when the answers were real. One of the reasons, I don't mean to you know, do a, another big shameless plug for, for Ryan here, but real talk is not a slogan. This is real talk. Mm. And real talkers do talk about mental health because real human beings do. And there is no topic over the years, if we're talking about you know, the, the rainbow here, the truth of the truth of the truth is that for many, many years, conversations around mental health on most radio shows were absolutely plastic and sterile, not just because the hosts weren't qualified to do it, not just because the guests were nothing like Lauren, who was on just a few moments ago with Ryan, nothing like that at all. Just, you know, people who were taking a, let's call it clinical, academic, theoretical perspective. All of those things matter for people who are studying to become practitioners. But for the audience, they need to hear the Laurens. They need to hear the real people who are willing to throw themselves on their swords because they've got something big in their lives, something bigger than themselves. And that's knowing that when they turn on the microphone, when they have access to a Ryan Zesperson podcast or they have access to a YouTube, they know that there's a huge demand out there, a need that it needs to be serviced. Is there still a stigma? Absolutely. There always, always will be because many people insist on associating the word mental health with weak. And in my humble opinion, there is nothing weaker than someone in denial about the most important issue in Canada, most important yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Hmm. Appreciate that, Chuck. Hey, speaking of real talk, I saw a tweet of yours over the weekend yesterday, and I went, oh boy, here we go. Because you wished a very happy birthday to a Canadian legend. Yeah. Don yeah. Cherry. And there was a lot of blowback. People did not. They, I don't know if people care that you wished him a happy birthday, but people didn't like that you referred to him as a Canadian legend. And I'm assuming in part, I mean, I know that there's people that have all the time in the world for grapes. And I know that there's people that have no time for grapes, probably yeah. most particularly yeah. for the specific scenario, the you people comment around the Remembrance Day poppies that yeah. ultimately got him canned from his coach's corner gig on the CBC. You've had a day to think about it. Where are you at with this? Bobby Hull was a legend, right? I mean, he, he, was, he was a sports legend. He was an athletic legend. He was a pop culture legend. Yeah. Is he a louse as a human being? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We human beings, we can do this. We, we compartmentalize. We can understand that Picasso is one of the great artists of all time and as a human being wasn't much. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to date myself here, but hell, I, I, think, I think the person I'm talking about is, 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 is as current as, as he was 50, 60, 70 years ago. I'm thinking about Bing Crosby, and the reason I say that is because Bing, no, nobody does White Christmas like Bing Crosby. Well, look, there has never been a microphone in a recording studio that was more tantalized by a baritone. There was no sweeter 
baritone in pop than Bing Crosby. But Bing Crosby's life was sour. Bing Crosby's kids, Bing Crosby's wives, much like Bobby Hull, never got sweetness from the Bing. But if anyone wants to say that Bing Crosby was not a recording legend and a performing legend and an acting legend, a, a show business legend, well, that, that, that too is just a, a ridiculous amount of denial. Uh, is Don Cherry a racist? Let, let's just put this on the table. Is Don Cherry a racist? I, I don't know. Don Cherry trafficked in some racist tropes, which were cringeworthy. Cringeworthy to many people, clearly, including the you know the you people episode. Cringeworthy to me. Many of Don Cherry's fans were all over me because I called him out as well. You know, I guess I was on the bandwagon about the you people thing. It was it was ugly. Mm-hmm. I'm an immigrant, and uh, yes, uh, no one has to lecture me about racism. Obviously, when it comes to racism because I've spent so much of my life studying the genocidal races, I take, yes, I take the, uh, here it is, okay, here's here's the controversial soundbite for today. I take genocidal racists more seriously than hockey jock racists. And if you want to sue me for that, you want to come at me for that, you want to tell me I'm blah, 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 you want to call me names uh, like you do on Twitter, that, that that's fine. I am perfectly comfortable in my position and perfectly comfortable in telling you that as a broadcaster, podcaster, public communicator, I have never seen in this country the impact that Don Cherry had. I've never seen anyone duplicate it. I'd love to say that, you know, I can do that. I'd love to say that my son, Ryan Jesperson, can do that. I'm sorry. When Don Cherry was on, it didn't It didn't matter whether it was a, a minus 30-day in, in a Winnipeg or a Calgary or an Edmonton, anywhere on the prairie, it could be minus 30 outside if some people were stuck outside. But Don Cherry was was in a shop store window, okay? And and they, they you know, selling televisions. I saw this with my own eyes several times. Even though they couldn't hear Don Cherry, when they saw Don Cherry on TV, they were paying attention to him. And everywhere I went in this country, people would crane their necks, stop doing what they were doing because Don was on. Even those people who kept saying he's way past his time, CBC and then later Rogers, they ought to do something about them. I saw many people say that publicly, but privately they were paying attention to Don Cherry. So uh, was he a legendary Canadian communicator? You bet your ass he was. Let me ask you about uh, over the weekend, uh, Pierre Polyev uh, says that everything seems broken in Canada. Uh, obviously, the leader of the official opposition, Canada's Conservatives, wants to be the next prime minister. And the prime minister's hammered back. Uh, Trudeau calling Polyev a, quote, irresponsible leader uh, bent on exploiting anger for political gain. If you look around, you can find example. Hey, we just talked to a mental health advocate about funding uh, and access to resources for mental health supports. I mean, there's one example of a million. There's an opioid crisis. Inflation's out of control. Uh, you know, the passport offices are are struggling. I mean, if, if you want to look, I mean, and depending on who you want to pin the tail on, which ass you want to pin the tail on, you can find lots of examples. You can find lots of evidence that Canada's broken, if that's your narrative. Is it broken? And who's right? Pierre Polyev, Justin Trudeau, or maybe both? Are there Canadian government services that need help? I mean, once again, how, how deep would I have to be in the rabbit hole 
to not notice. I mean, the passport thing is in better shape now. Uh, the airport thing is in a little better shape. I don't want to get into everything that took place uh, during COVID. Uh, you know, I'm glad we got the vaccines. I'm glad we got a lot of things done. We screwed up a, a lot of things. I'm glad that we had uh, uh, financial supports for people who couldn't work. But obviously, many people and took took advantage, and and a lot of money got got got, got pissed away. Uh, did uh, did the Trudeau government need uh, to spend well over a hundred million dollars on on that particular uh, company that uh, is related to a friend of? I don't want I don't want to I don't want to rehash uh, the entire conservative agenda here. All I'm saying is that even though Polyev, like any politician, uh, may exaggerate, okay, there is something, okay, there there is something that he is exaggerating. Uh, there is an issue there. And there are many people in this country who are very, very angry with government services. And they're not just in Alberta. That's, uh, you know, I'm saying this for the purpose of, of communicating with the national audience. There's this ridiculous stereotype that, you know, because Albertans are a little more out there, a little more, let's just say, honest about their anger toward government, there is this perception that is peddled by some political hustlers in central Canada that, oh, everyone in Canada is really happy. It's just those, those Albertans, those ungrateful Albertans who are bitching all the time. No, people in this country are, are bitching. You can take a look at a thousand different polls. Uh, anger and frustration is higher than it has been. And as far as the prime minister is concerned, and I, I absolutely do not have a reputation as being a Trudeau basher, uh, many of my conservative friends have, have called me a, a shill for Trudeau and a, a suck for him and a guy who's, uh, you know, got a bromance happening with him. So I don't qualify as a Trudeau basher. But Trudeau has peaked, and the majority of people in this country want him to move on. That doesn't mean the people who have been grateful for Trudeau's reign should be ungrateful. That doesn't mean that uh, uh, that I support the the F Trudeau uh, bumper stickers and all of the F Trudeau signs. I think that's a, a ridiculous approach. I agree with Aaron O'Toole when he talks about that. But it is fair to say that many government services, especially revolving around health care and mental health care, are not what they could be. And many people feel that it is broken, and the federal health minister himself said that the healthcare system, nationally, healthcare system needs to be fixed. Well, it needs to be fixed because it's broken. Yeah, by the provinces. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't. Hey, I screwed up. I screwed up. I just, I just popped into the live chat, and there, there's a great comment here from someone who says, uh, uh, this is from Mark. Hey, anybody else notice the absence of politics in the show today? That's really good for our mental health. <laughs> and then uh, two comments later goes, spoke too soon. Uh, I'll, I'll, too wear soon yeah, I'll wear that one. I'll wear that one, Chuck. No, no the, the elephant's in the room. And, you know, if you, if, if, you know we have, there's two elephants in this room. It's, uh, it's Ryan Jesperson and, and yours truly. And it's very, very difficult for us, whether it's in real life or real talk when the cameras aren't on, uh, to go for more than 30 minutes Without uh, yeah. politics rearing there's, its ugly There's going to be a, a tiny little bit. And I've been thinking for our Patreon supporters, maybe you and I need to make our uh, our, our so-called off-air cocktail dates. Uh, maybe we need to make those available for the consumption of our Patreon supporters. We'll see one day, Charles. We'll see if, if the off-the-record goes on the record with a bit of an asterisk there. Uh, it's always good to see you, my man. Have a wonderful week, and we'll, and we'll talk to you again in seven days. Thank you, and most of all, uh, thank you for being good for everyone's head. We love you. Uh, love you too, Chuck. There you go. Charles Adler. Give him a follow on Twitter at 
Charles Adler. So nice to hear from filmmaker Mariah Braun, who's watching the show today in our live chat. She goes, yeah, with regards to Don Cherry, she goes, yeah, the you people thing was pretty ugly, but he's still a legend. Um, Mariah, mm. you, you, I feel the exact same way. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was I, uh, I was and, and in a certain context. Uh, remain a huge fan of Don Cherry. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up watching him with my grandpa and every Saturday and like the, you know, the da 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 like the, the coach's yeah, corner music. You can't, Everybody like yeah. turns on. It's kind of funny. You'd have like the volume on the game muted during a Saturday night gathering. You know, people over at the house, the volume on the game is muted. But when coach's mm-hmm. corner came on, you turned on the volume. Mm-hmm. But then, but that, and then there, there were always the things where I think like that, that, you know, the word for it would be xenophobia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's that? You know, what do you call it? No, but like even, even his, his, his take on European players Mm -hmm. and his take on the Russians and his his, his deliberate mispronunciation of it, but, but it, it never really, it it was always laughed off. If I can say Mm -hmm. it was always laughed off because he was talking about white athletes. Of course. Right? And, and I, then the you people thing is where it got really nasty. Yeah, it did get weird there. And like, I think was a legend, like was is kind of the main word there. I like Anna's comment. Don Cherry struggled with bleeding his style and his skills into a different crowd at the end of his career. It was a different time and maybe the totally. not, not the right time for him now. It's true. And the pandemic showed us this too. Like, you think this is all happening for nothing? Like, people want a more relaxed, empathetic, sympathetic, diverse way of life we all just want to respect and live the way we want to live and treat each other better and kind of he kind of rode in on the you know the coattails of well not the coattails the beginning of that right and it it just didn't gel well with his vibe totally and you know i mean like two things can be true right like don cherry can be a broadcasting legend and and don cherry can also be someone that was pushing out uh, and and first of all like what he was arguing is not even true, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like, like number one, like just it's not even a fact. Like, like the, the assertion that immigrants don't wear poppies or that weird. immigrants don't value Canadian sacrifices yeah. through the world wars or overseas in Afghanistan and, and Kosovo and elsewhere. It's just and, incorrect. Like, it's just not a fact. <laughs> it's just not true. Yeah. And you look at Canada's history. I mean, even if you want to get into, you know, the, talking about military service and mm-hmm. who has proudly served our country, the indigenous people that have served our country, the, mm-hmm. the different populations that have come to Canada, in many cases, People who were like the the ink was still wet on mm-hmm. the paperwork and they were signing up to serve their country. I know I feel like this conversation is five years old. I feel like people know this, too. Now and then the military has been made up of diverse people, races, cultures. Yeah. Like my grandpa talks about going to Korea and I see pictures of the people he was there with. It's not all white guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. lots of people from lots of different backgrounds fought for this country and wear poppies. Uh, Graham says uh, on healthcare, he says it's not just the provinces, right? And then he does put in the winking emoji because I think Graham knows that I was just poking. I was just poking there. It's not. <laughs> he, he says it's not just the provinces. He says the feds have slowly reduced the amount of funding they provide the provinces, uh, both both under the uh, the Tories and the Grits, both under the, the Conservatives and the Liberals, which is mm-hmm. true. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at remember John Horgan when he was hosting, when he was chairing that the first minister's meeting, right? And and mm-hmm. there was uh, John Horgan and, and uh, Doug Ford was especially outspoken and, and several other Canadian premiers that were all calling 
collectively. Uh, Quebec's premier was there as well, and, uh, you know, on Legault and, and speaking out, uh, you know, toward the PMO. And Graham, you're absolutely right, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, but what would be an interview with Charles Adler without a little a little politics? I like Mark's comment. Okay, how was how pond was pond hockey? <laughs> Let's get to well, it. Well, I've been saving a couple <laughs> mentions here, Mark, and thank you for the reminder. But before we get into it, let, let, let me tell you. So pond hockey coming up in like two seconds. But of course, uh, uh, tournaments like that, fundraisers, initiatives, and events don't happen without the amazing roster of Real Talk sponsors, including the team at Eden Landscaping. I told you I had lunch with Mike, uh, who is owned and operated Elite Eden Landscaping, is still a family-owned business, um, just a couple weeks ago. And I said, Mike, you let, you let me know. I always like to update, get, get some fresh talking points, as you may say, in the ads. And I said, what do you want me to be talking to real talkers about because everybody's checked out landscapeedmonton.ca by now and they've seen the portfolio and they've seen the the stunning designs put into practice and he says well why don't you tell them that what's important to us is that you have your space to zen in yeah that's right zen can be a verb to entertain in he says your place could be manicured it could be butterfly friendly this is one of the big new trends this urban butterfly approach it helps with the pollinators it helps integrate some of the more native grasses and plants back into where they belong your front or backyard he says more people are going to be looking to produce food we do edible garden boxes he says what eden is all about is a fusion of need and style they're great listeners. They're not designing your yard for a magazine, though it'll be ready for one. They're designing it for you. You can learn how they work today. Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. Also, a big shout out to our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. How fun was it to have Team DQ there? Uh, their entire group, well, not all of them, uh, they were still operating their stores over the weekend, but they'd sent some of their best and brightest to St. Albert to help us out with the Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic, those double cheeseburgers. Woo, baby, unbelievable. And of course, service with a smile this is a team that understands a commitment to community we've told you in past those dairy queens have raised more than a million dollars for the stollery children's hospital foundation we were so grateful and so honored to have them supporting our real talk pond hockey classic on saturday you can show your appreciation to them by ordering your triple truffle blizzard cake today that's right start your valentine's celebration with a dq cake ordered in advance or picked up in person on a whim in the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And Johnny, mm-hmm. I have a major announcement to make. Uh-oh. Real Talk Cask number two has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, we are so proud today, February 6th, to launch in partnership with PWS Imports and Broken Barrel Whiskey Co. out of beautiful state of california the real talk maple bourbon if you're a fan of old fashions you need to get your hands on a bottle of real talk cask number two it's available exclusively at whiskey drop in edmonton you're listening from victoria or winnipeg or thunder bay or halifax going what on earth the good news is they'll ship it to you. That's right. They can ship across the country. This is a limited run, friends. It's one cask selected personally by me and the team at PWS Imports. You can get your bottle today in person at Whiskey Drop on 149th Street or check out our tweets. And you tried it. Mm-hmm. And what's your assessment? Oh, it's great. 
And the, I mean, the last one was great too, but this one's really like, a, I would call this a crowd pleaser. Like yeah. the last one was kind of, Last one was, it was for a bit the of an experiment, you yeah, know. It was, it was the, it was the uh, Olathe sweet corn, corn whiskey. Yeah, so yeah, that was out of Colorado. Lot, yeah, a lot of people might be like, "What is this?" Because they're used to a different flavor. But this one it is great. It's a little sweeter, but not too sweet. But like in an old fashioned, we tried it. This yeah. this is just wow. We this did is just amazing. Yeah. Well, of yeah. course, we waited until five p.m. and all of that. Okay. Before, you know, <laughs> yes, before, yes, yeah. before we poured our maple old yeah, fashioned. Yeah, so we're going to yeah. be telling you about that uh, broken barrels, uh, that uh, beautiful select cask over the next couple of weeks. But there's literally there's just over a hundred bottles, and so this is going to sell out. We expect this week. Uh, so you can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, find the link there, and then on Thursday evening at Whiskey Drop, I'm really excited. If you're a real talk patron, if you support us on Patreon, check mm-hmm. your email in box because we've got an exclusive sit down whiskey tasting it's coming up on thursday february 9th i'm yeah. really excited about that it's we're gonna, gonna pour awesome. a maple old-fashioned with the new real talk bourbon and uh of course it's, uh, attendance there is capped at 25 and so mm. you got to get on that quick uh, you can support real talk on patreon by going to ryanjesperson.com click on the connect link and follow the details there of course we have special incentives and perks through the year for our valued Patreon supporters. As if the booze isn't incentive enough. But Tony's <laughs> asking about William uh, H. William H. Macy. Or, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't see the comment. But so so William H. Macy, who, the connection who, who, is. who was on the show. So that was the connection last year. Mm-hmm. So William H. Macy is uh, is an investor in that in Woody Creek Distillers that's out right, of Colorado. That's right, that's right. And so that's why... Uh, Bill, uh, that's why Bill, you know, came my, buddy, on the my show. buddy Bill came on the show. And people are going, how did you get William H. Macy on the show? Uh, it's because he essentially owns that distillery with mm-hmm. his business partner. So he came on to talk to us about that sweet Colorado, that Olathe sweet corn whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, which sold out. And then now, of course, this is Broken Barrel. Do we, do we have a, I mean, yeah, we can do whatever we want. So you well, say yeah. the name, I mean, the, this whiskey company that's done this bourbon and, and is Mark still on the chat being like, Pond Hockey, when are you going to tell us about <laughs> Pond Hockey? This distillery got its name Broken Barrel because they take old whiskey barrels, right? Everybody kind of understands, right? Same with wine, same with whiskey. Um, it anything that you age in the barrels, the, mm-hmm. the barrel will, will can, 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 you know, provide some flavor infusion into whatever's in it, mm-hmm. oftentimes based on what was in the barrel before, right? So you'll get like, for example, a scotch that's finished in a sherry cask, and then that'll give it that flavor infusion. So broken barrel, they take these old barrels and literally smash them up with sledgehammers. And they're in there. And then they take the chunks, like there's an actual word for it. I'll ask Travis at PWS what the word is, but they take these splinters of wood from these barrels Mm -hmm. and actually put them in the barrel with the whiskey. Mm -hmm. So it releases, you can imagine how that would release all of that extra flavor. Then they strain it out through the process of bottling and uh, it it infuses Such an art form, it's crazy. Oh man. But don't worry, they strain it well. You're not going to get like a splinter. You won't, we promise it's it's sliver free. It's sliver free. So over the weekend on Saturday, okay. Johnny and myself <laughs> and about, I don't know, 250 other people were out. Our huge shout out, a huge thanks to the city of St. Albert. Mm. Mayor Heron was out there with a, with a, you know, blessing the event, so to speak, welcoming our participants uh, with the land acknowledgement and, of course, uh, setting the scene for what wound up being just an absolutely wonderful day Incredible. on ice. Should we roll the video? Let's give a you want to roll the video? Here. So this is, if, you, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can check it out. <laughs> Maybe drop the volume down. <laughs> That's me screaming at you. 
little Ozzy going in the background. And, and this is me, uh, you know, on skates kind of touring the event. And so this is, uh, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, you can check out the video. It's pinned on my Twitter at Ryan Jesperson on our Real Talk RJ account as well. A big shout out to Central Social Hall for for making sure that our beer garden was well stocked. That's Craig Strain from the Canadian Progress Club. They just did an unbelievable job organizing. Thanks to HML Landscape Construction, 10 years sponsoring this event, $50,000. The Edmonton Stingers in the house. How cool was that? Uh, A sold-out turnout, 24 teams. Next year, we're going to go 36, we think. Uh, And then the City of St. Albert, as mentioned, did an unbelievable job with this facility. This was custom-built for the Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic. Everywhere. You could skate in the beer garden. Like you right could skate the around potty, to the, right the to porta-potties, the, the bonfires, uh, the DJ booth to yeah, make your requests. And they had the sweepers out there. The city of St. Albert had Zambonis out the night before. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable family-friendly event. Loved people bringing the kids by and, and, and the husbands and the boyfriends and the wives and the girlfriends and and of course, a lot of pretty good-looking pups out there as well. I like we that. Had the Huskies, and there was a big Newfie out there, and we had like uh, some beautiful, beautiful dogs out there. The Bernie's Mountain Dog that I spent about oh, ten minutes talking gorgeous. to. Um, so much fun, spirited competition. Thanks to St. John Ambulance for being out there as well. Luckily, no injuries. Everything was just a perfect day. Mm-hmm. What was it? Five degrees Celsius at some point. Yeah. Our one concern was that it was going to be too beautiful and that great. the ice was going to melt. So many real talkers came to say hello to us, which just really meant the world to us. It was These nice guys. meeting so many of you in person. This team, absolutely hilarious. Sneaky good. We're talking about team sneaky pink. good. The guys with the mullets, although uh, uh, my team, Every Day We're Buffaloing, did manage to you take did. these guys out in double overtime. But they were very uh, which good. Was a, yeah, which was a, a great way to wrap it up. Uh, we Pride didn't win it all, unfortunately. Great to have Pride Tape in the house, of course, uh, helping us uh, spread the messages that are really important to us, integral to us. And a big shout out to uh, all of the competitors. Look at that, McBain Camera, our name bar sponsor, all of the sponsors uh, that helped us raise. There's Jake, the CEO of Coop. Energy with his beautiful little one. Uh, so fun to have her here. in the house. Great Sally. <laughs> That's the old Wendell Clark Sally after a big goal. And uh, all in, uh, Johnny, in, in what we know is a recession year, in, in, in a year that's been a really difficult year for a yeah. lot of fundraisers, to still be able to put $30,000 on the board uh, for Kids Sport St. Albert and for uncles and aunts at large. Uh, these are resources for families that are trying to get kids into organized sport. We know all the benefits that organized sport can bring, but often Oftentimes, there are financial barriers. We want to do what we can in partnership with the Canadian Progress Club, St. Albert Chapter, uh, to, to really make a meaningful contribution there. And there are, of course, uncles and aunts at large doing amazing work, mm-hmm. in particular for single-parent families. And so we're so grateful for all of your support. The Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic will continue next year. That'll be year three, and we'll give you plenty of advance notice. We have no doubt that it will sell out again, and you can mark your calendars for Thursday, June 22nd. It'll be the second annual Real Talk golf classic at uh, the ranch golf and country club in support of the real talk julie Rohr scholarship which provides a uh, five thousand dollar support for a post-secondary student anywhere in canada that has lost a parent to cancer and that's a legacy that we're proud to continue so thursday june 22nd is the next big event that we'll be putting on in partnership with the ranch and we're very much looking forward to that mm-hmm. you deserve a special shout out is that one of the is that one of the longest DJ shifts that you've ever had? No, I mean like most wedding days, you get up, you're up at like seven a.m., you do a ceremony, you do the whole reset. It's a twelve hour day, but that was the longest, I guess, spinning 
Although I did put on some Oilers warm-up mixes there from my uh, previous <laughs> career with them. Why wouldn't them. you? Why wouldn't you? But yeah, the longest time playing music, it was about eight hours straight of playing music. So yeah, a very long time. But like super fun. Everyone was super nice. And and like I said, just very happy. No one got hurt. There were no, none of, nothing happened. Like, you know, yeah. we're out there all day. It is strenuous. I was looking at people. I was like... Man, it's it's not like oh, yeah. playing one hockey game. You're out there playing hockey for like seven, eight hours. I think by the, the end, it was like games would have been four. Yeah, like for for the teams that unfor- some of them got shellacked, which is that's fine. But then um, you're skating around the whole time too. Yeah, like for sure, constant cardio. Yeah, it's and like, I think our winners would have played seven or eight games, and so yeah. it was a real uh, yeah, no, it was a real battle for them. And a shout out to everybody. Uh, uh, by the way, uh, PWS Imports says Travis Watt Waddy, who's the founder of that company, he's mm-hmm. already been in touch. He's listening to the show today. He says the, the cask pieces, when you smash up a cask, ah. broke, broken barrel, they're called staves. There we go. So the tiny pieces of wood are called staves, mm-hmm. and they infuse the flavor into the bourbon barrel. So very cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, was this somebody else noted? Oh, who won? The, Lauren's wondering who, who won the uh, the Louis Lavoie painting, the pond hockey painting we were showing you, and how much. So I saw uh, former government minister Rajan Sani, or I should say former leadership contender Rajan Sani uh, with the United Conservatives. So great to see her supporting our event. She had the top bid on the painting at six fifty until the very last minute, mm-hmm. and then someone you'll have to pardon me. I don't remember who it was. It was Angela or Brenda or somebody. Somebody swooped in at the last minute and bid seven hundred on the Louis Lavoie mm-hmm. original. And so we're so grateful for that painting that awesome. from Louis and for everybody that drove those bids up. And of course, all of the proceeds obviously going to charity. And so we were so uh, grateful. Um, I see this here. Somebody says there are far, uh, far too many Oilers, far too much Oilers stuff in those photos. That from Jason. <laughs> Come on, well, Jason, we're in hey, like Smokey the Bear, only you. Only you, Jason, can prevent that from happening in future. I, I wouldn't mind. Uh, I, like, I like Jason's. Yeah, he likes here. your sick Oilers jersey. So that was the 2019. I'm wearing a Connor McDavid All Star jersey. Yeah. That was the first year that they brought back the logos on the jersey. Also, the first year they made uh, those jerseys. They're eco friendly. So those are the first what ever. Does that any eco friendly NHL hockey jerseys? First ever that featured repurposed and upcycled materials. Uh, materials created in partnership uh, with a bunch of other. Companies. Very cool. Yeah. So the whole jersey was like other materials before. It was made out of totally recycled stuff. So it's one of my favorite jerseys. I love it too. The black outlook. This is uh, music to my ears. Tara Lynn says, What an amazing event it was. Says, I can't skate to save my life, but I came out to support and I was so impressed. Tara Lynn, thank you for being there. Lou Jobs was there. Remember Lou mm-hmm. was here talking about his his journey into and out of homelessness. And, mm-hmm. and Lou, of course, that beautiful sculpture over there. We have his sandstone carving in studio. Lou showed up to say hello. Uh, he said, Johnny, you're a master at your trade. He says the music was incredible. Uh, it was good you had i don't want to get too into the weeds but you had some like new tech speakers out there that are quiet up close but loud from far away that's well, like that was blowing my mind not new tech but it's weird yeah they're like designed it, to throw sound so we had two speakers and people are like you only have two speakers Sounded like we had yeah. 30 speakers so it, the whole pond hockey like where the ponds were you could hear clearly and then in the beer gardens same speaker but when you're close to it, it's yeah. lower. But it's when chill. you're farther away, it's louder. It's yeah. really cool. Really They're cool doing amazing stuff. things. Yeah, really, really, things. really great. Yeah. Um, uh, so, okay. So there's the Real Talk Pond Hockey Classic. There was a lot going on. And, and of course, uh, I feel, are you feeling like a bit of a, 
like a we got that out of the way now i'm feeling now we can kind of settle back in but now we launch our bourbon today and then here we go it's pedal to the metal and uh that's the only way we would have it it's the only way we know how to operate and and we're really grateful for that now we wrap up every monday's show uh we mentioned our friends at kubi energy that were out there i don't know how team kubi did on the ice we didn't get a chance to play them Mm -mm. uh but i think they've got some ringers on their team i think they probably did all right (laughs) every monday the team at kubi gives us an opportunity to focus on on stories that that really i mean and today show has felt very positive hasn't it Uh, this is a perfect way to wrap it up uh it's an opportunity to focus on the good that people do it's it's a time to focus on uh, stories where people support one another and in many circumstances it's complete strangers it's our monday tradition called positive reflections presented by our friends at kubi renewable energy did you see over the weekend this video this is like a, a, a really tough video to watch but we're going to show it to you here this is a this is a gal by the name of barbara gillespie and she's like many other people around the world including in the united states that are contributing to the workforce and working well beyond what you might call retirement age and that's not necessarily the feel-good part right like that's not always great especially in a circumstance like this where barbara's delivering pizzas for for dominoes and You know, she's doing her best and she's got her hand full of food. This was caught on a doorbell cam and uh, this happened on Friday, as a matter of fact. Uh, She was delivering food to the Klein family and she's making her way up. And as you can see, it's a tough video to watch, but as you can see, she catches her toe on this front step and she bails. She falls hard, uh, dumps the order all over the front porch. But like, who cares about that? Is she okay? Is Barbara okay? Well, it turns out that she was bumped up and she was bruised. And as you can see, the the, the Klein family comes out and, and she's apologetic. But oh, my gosh, they're like, well, are you OK? And so the Klein family, led by mom, Lacey Klein, well, they, they get to know her a tiny little bit. They, they chat with her and they come out onto the porch and they're helping her pick up the pizzas. And, and they're figuring out a little bit more about why she needs to work. Right. And, and she's telling them that times are tough and the finances are tight. And, and you know, I mean, maybe food delivery is not the perfect application for what she'd like to be doing, but it's where she's found her job. Mm-hmm. And so they start a GoFundMe account. And check this out. The GoFundMe, they set a goal of $200,000. This is unbelievable. Now, first of all, when it got to 50K, mm-hmm. they showed up at the Domino's to let her know. And I think we have a Do little clip. Do you want to play the audio why, here? Why don't we play a little? Now, it's tough audio because it's in a pizza joint. There's a lot going on. But but here they are. This is when it hit 50000 Just wait. So check this out. And then there's hugs all around and absolutely amazing. And so this is when they knew that the GoFundMe was at 50000 And because we're here in Canada, I'm going to say it's 50000 U.S. dollars, obviously. Right? She says, I'm going to faint. They go, no, you already fell once, Barbara. Don't bail again. Well, Johnny, I want to show you a live shot right now. If you go to GoFundMe.com, you can check this out. The GoFundMe is called Bless 
Barbara, and it's still going. There have been 13,700 donations totaling $218,781 and counting. More coming up on a quarter million dollars. Now, they're all going to Barbara Gillespie. This is a life-changing event, a life-changing event spurred by the kindness of a family, the Klein family, that saw their delivery driver into one and decided to do something about it. That is a remarkable story, and I think a reminder to each one of us that we can change somebody's life with a tiny little bit of initiative. All it takes is that human empathy that we celebrate here on the show every single day. You can send us your positive reflection to talk at ryanjesperson.com. You may see it featured on a Monday to come, always proudly presented by our friends at Kubi Renewable Energy. Coming up on the show tomorrow, we got a lot going on this week, including a visit to a rooftop. That's right. We're going to check in with some firefighters that are camping out to raise funds for muscular dystrophy. Coming up on Wednesday, we're going to learn more about heart health. What are the warning signs you need to pay attention to, in particular for women? Plus, a high-profile political interview with someone who's trying to get a certain job back. We'll get to that before the week's done. Thanks for making Real Talk part of your Monday. We'll see you soon. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook-Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Dubetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com. 